0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon, reporting remotely for WFHB. This is Don Guerra.
0: And I'm Noel Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, May 23rd, 2022.
2: Later in the program, Dave Seastrom of the Brown County Hour speaks with Story Snyder, director of the Brown County Public Library about their new solar project. More in today's feature report.
0: Also coming up in the next half hour, we have some recent prison-related news and announcements from the producers of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. But first, your daily headlines.
2: The Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners held a special session on May 9th to discuss approving parks' general obligation bonds. Director Paul McDevitt said that it is recommended that the commissioners approve the bonds.
3: And uh, we are here this afternoon um, to recommend that after the Board of Park Commissioners uh, received public comment at the legally advertised public hearing back on April 26th and then any additional public comment that would have been received here um, at today's meeting, it is recommended that you approve the final, um, adopt the final bond resolution 2203 to authorize the issuance of park district bonds in order to promote climate change and implement equity and quality of life for all Um, and we have uh, two guests here staff members here this afternoon that will uh, briefly highlight the projects um, that they are also found on the uh, on your on my staff report in the order of projects that are part of the bond uh, package so i would like to turn it over first to tim street
2: operations development director tim street and Assistant Director of Planning and Transportation, Beth Rosenbarger, presented the projects that the bonds would fund.
3: Um, the first project, Kim, if you go to the next slide, is to replace the missing section of Roger Street sidewalk along the east side of Roger Street um, near Switchard Park. Uh, estimated cost is about $200,000. Next slide.
4: Next, I'm Beth Rosenberger, Assistant Director of Planning and Transportation Department. The next project is along West 2nd Street. It includes building a protected bike lane uh, from Walker traveling east to the B Line. It also includes signal replacements and the money uh, requested $1.5 is matching federal funding that is going to be used to fund this project as well.
2: McDevitt explained that the commissioners are the final piece to approve the bonds.
3: You all sort of bookend and kicked off this process um, several weeks ago, and then it went to the City Council for um, uh, initial reading and then final approval of this project list. Uh, was approved by City Council on April 20th of this year, so you are the final piece of uh, the process in approving um, this, final, this bond.
2: City Controller Jeff Underwood explained the priority order of the park bonds.
1: yes, um, the, the the city council, as they approve these, put them in a priority order. So essentially we'll start from the top of that priority work down. and then as funds uh, you know become available, uh, we anticipate that we'll issue uh, a little over $5 million in the bonds. We won't do the full eight, 5.8, that's kind of a maximum, but it'll be ensured that we get $5 million in, pr- uh, project costs, dollars, uh, and then the, the additional, uh, bonding will be to cover issuance costs. So we'll probably be closer to the $5.3 million and the council is well aware that if we go down and, and there aren't enough funds available to, for all the projects that we'll stop at a point where we're comfortable with funding the ones that we've started and then um any remaining funds uh would be rolled over to the next um uh, issue and just as a reminder we plan to come back these are five-year uh bonds and then we would come back two more times over the next 11 years and, and authorize that and obviously pick back up with the priority list um so to speak if for some reason Uh, the actual bids come in less, then we'll look all the way down through the list. And again, if there were any funds after we completed all of the projects, we would roll that back in uh, to the next set of projects.
2: The park commissioners unanimously voted to approve the general obligation bonds. The next meeting will be held on May 24th.
0: At the Monroe County Commissioner's meeting on May 18th, Board of Health Director Penny Cottle shared the cases of COVID-19 are still in the low advisory category, but warned that we are on the verge of reaching medium advisory levels.
4: So we have been on the cusp of that 200 per 100,000 that determines whether or not you are low or medium, along with the hospitalizations. So we'll have to see tomorrow what comes down, whether we are... Just under that 200 and remain low, or whether we move to medium. The CDC recommendations between low and medium are really not very different. All of the levels encourage vaccination, staying up to date with your COVID vaccine, testing as you need to. So if you're symptomatic, we know right now a lot of the cases people are not having much of any symptoms. Uh, So if you are a contact, Please, uh, if you're up to date with your vaccines and you are exposed, you don't have to quarantine, you, but you should be wearing a mask and test after five days of that exposure. So, following those testing procedures is important. And then, um, you know, the other is in medium. If you are at risk, talk to your healthcare provider about your your specific healthcare. Uh, issues, your health needs, and determine whether or not you need to wear a mask when you're in any public setting or certain public settings and plan accordingly.
0: Commissioner Penny Githens commented that there was a COVID-related death in the community recently and said that everyone should get vaccinated.
4: Yes, on the front page of today's uh, local paper, they gave the, not only the infection rate locally, but the fact that there had been a local death over the past week and so it's still out there we have to be aware of this Um, so please take precautions and get vaccinated
0: next the commissioners heard from deputy director of emergency management justin baker about a grant the monroe county emergency management department received from the duke energy foundation
5: morning thank you for having me this morning okay so last month the emergency management department applied for a grant with duke energy Foundation. And we were accepted after the process, and uh, we received $5,000 total for the grant. And this will go towards our county outdoor warning system, the tornado sirens, to help with any costs to replace or to uh, fix any issues that we may have.
0: Commissioner Julie Thomas asked about the alert residents received informing the public that sirens will be running at different times to check for repairs and asked how much longer they can expect to hear them.
5: Yes, the ERS, Lyris, which is our uh, maintenance vendor, and myself has been going out and checking on the sirens, doing the temperature check, kind of. Uh, see, it, we rotate them and uh, do a quiet test. Um, so that'll be going on. We did that Monday and Tuesday. we uh, be doing that. Depending on the letter, pretty much. If it's laying and stormy, we're not going to be checking yeah. on, the temp, on the sirens. Uh, but yes, i will be going on several weeks, probably. Because our okay. goal was to get all 40 of them.
0: The commissioners approved the acceptance of the grant money unanimously. The commissioners also approved funding for additions to the Karst Farm Greenway Project and for furniture in the new highway garage office.
2: Up next, we have some recent prison-related news and announcements from the producers of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. Kite Line airs each Friday at 5.30 p.m. on WFHB. The program is available online at WFHB.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: A 31-year-old Rikers Island inmate named Mary Yehuda died Wednesday after overdosing on drugs at the Rose M. Singer Center, the women's jail commonly known as Rosie's. She is the fifth Rikers Island detainee to die this year. She was a kind, loving, intelligent person invested in her recovery. She was focused on her future of giving back to the community. It's devastating that someone who is so young and had experienced so much trauma has died in custody. She was hopeful for her future, said to Hani Dunn of the Bronx Defenders, which represented Yehuda. Yehuda spent much of her youth growing up in foster care and was homeless by 13. She struggled with substance abuse and homelessness, Dunn said, adding that Yehuda had worked hard at recovery with little support. Yehuda's brother was killed in the Bronx in March 2020. It really is a travesty and we need to figure out how to do better as a society and as a community to stop these deaths in custody, Dunn said. Advocates said Yehuda's death is the first involving a detainee at the jail commonly known as Rosie's since Lailene Polanco died in June 2019 after an epileptic seizure in solitary confinement. 17 corrections officers face discipline for breakdowns in preventing Polanco's death. Yehuda's death comes one day after the city submitted a plan to a Manhattan federal judge detailing how the corrections department will regain control of Rikers Island. Federal prosecutors have said they're mulling over a court request for outside leadership to take over the chronically dysfunctional jails. The deaths of three other Rikers inmates this year that preceded Yehudas each involved staffing breakdowns where correction staff either was not doing required rounds or simply was absent from the units when the detainees went into medical distress. The fourth Rikers inmate to die this year, 25-year-old Deshaun Carter, arrived at the jail without a mental health designation, noting he'd been on suicide watch just last year, according to records. Carter hanged himself in his cell, in general population, on May 7th. 16 inmates died in city custody last year.
5: In
0: today's feature report, Dave Seestrom of the Brown County Hour speaks with Story Snyder, director of the Brown County Public Library, about their new solar project. We turn now to that segment.
7: Well, it is my pleasure to introduce Story Snyder, who is the director of the Brown County Library, and we are... On this beautiful spring day in the parking lot, looking at this amazing solar array that you are responsible for. Well, story, give us a little background on how this magnificent event came to be.
8: Sure, well, we initially were exploring the option of solar for our roof before we realized we needed a new roof
7: Now this was and ten years ago
8: yeah, this is yeah when I, I started here about ten years ago and thought the idea of uh, solar rooftop mount could really benefit the library and we realized we need a new roof so we were going to wait till we had a new roof before we put the solar panels on or explored the idea and once we got our new roof we realized that we didn't want to put holes in it (laughs) and it wasn't it wasn't going to actually offset as much um as we were hoping so this idea of a carport structure was proposed and this will offset 100 percent and that seemed like the way to go. No holes in our roof.
7: So just let me restate that. This group of solar panels will provide 100% of the electricity the library uses.
8: Yes, that's correct.
7: Wow, that's pretty amazing. And I noticed that your campaign is, you know, get it done by 22, which I suspect has everything to do with that the net metering runs out in July, and you getting in under the wire means that you get a kilowatt for a kilowatt.
8: Yes, that's correct.
7: Well, now I understand that there's going to be a big event associated with uh, the day the switch gets flipped on. You want to talk about that?
8: Sure, that's May 27th. We plan to have a uh Party in our parking lot, underneath our carport, and flip the switch so that we can actually start consuming energy from the sun. And I'm sure there'll be a little merrymaking, some speeches, some in, happiness, some speeches and <laughs> such, and some little doodads to memorialize the occasion.
7: Well, it really is a remarkable achievement. And as I recall from our conversation, you've had a lot of support from your board of directors throughout the whole process.
8: We have. Yeah, they're, they've been extremely supportive. It's been really great to have their support and, and one board member in particular has some um, expertise in construction and he has been invaluable.
7: Well, it looks absolutely stunning. Um, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I used to build houses for a living and it looks plenty strong. Should be here for several lifetimes, which is remarkable. I also understand that you're going to have the ability to charge electric cars here from the sun.
8: Yes, that's true. We'll have two stations. There'll be two leads on one charger.
7: So drive your electric car to the library, plug in. The sun charges your car while you're supporting the community and obtaining good literature all at the same time.
8: All at the same time.
7: Well, so the date of your magic event is uh, May 27th. One o'clock. One o'clock on May 27th flip the switch and the lights come on.
8: That's right.
7: Well, this has been remarkable. And uh, I can't, as someone who's followed solar energy for all my adult life, I can't tell you how this makes me feel as a Brown County person. I mean, what a remarkable achievement. Thank you so much, Story, for pushing through and getting this done. Is there a special website associated with this project?
8: Yes, we have a on our website, which is browncountylibrary.info solar. We have the Friends of the Library actually is coordinating a fundraising campaign with the goal of raising $65,000 in support of the project. And uh, the last I looked, which was a couple days ago, we were around $3,500 shy of meeting that goal.
7: Excellent. Well, again, congratulations to you This is a remarkably forward thinking project and what a wonderful legacy. And as our friend, Sarah Lytle said, it's amazing to realize the Brown County Library has gone from horses to electric cars.
2: Up next, Seastrom shares some thoughts on solar power in a segment on the Brown County Hour. This segment reflects on the interview Seastrom conducted with Story Snyder of the Brown County Library. The Brown County Hour airs on the first Sunday of each month at 9 a.m. and again on the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. on WFHB Community Radio. The program is available online at WFHB.org and wherever you get your podcasts.
7: right now as we look at the world and all of the frightful events that are taking place it's far too easy to succumb to a feeling of helplessness with the war raging in ukraine and the acceleration of global warming we certainly have reasons for concern but in spite of the madness there are plenty of reasons for optimism our show this month features a story that involves many years of hard work and planning In troubled times, this is a reminder of what many people working together for a singular purpose can accomplish. Leadership comes in many different forms, but perhaps the most important trait of a good leader is the ability to inspire others in a shared vision and never giving up no matter how the odds are stacked against them. When a great vision is proposed, There are often more naysayers than those who see the wisdom of the endeavor and enthusiastically join the cause. However, when it comes to this project, it's my understanding that Story Snyder had genuine support from her board of directors right from the beginning, and she used that support to shepherd this project into fruition. Story Snyder is the director of the Brown County Library. And this month, we interviewed her about the new solar installation that's coming online later this May. This achievement has been 10 years in the making, and it represents a great step forward for Brown County. There was much to overcome to make this happen, not the least of which was raising the money and getting the project finished before net metering is terminated in Indiana this July. Mrs. Snyder arrived with this vision when she became the director 10 years ago, but there were other matters to attend to before the solar panels became a reality. When she first took office, after several years of service, it was time to replace the roof on the library. At the time, there was some talk of installing the solar panels on the new roof, but two things got in the way. First, no one wanted to make holes in the new roof. And second, an evaluation from the solar company they were working with showed that a roof installation would only produce 70% of their electrical needs, falling far short of their goals. The solar company determined that a carport-type structure located in the parking lot would achieve the 100% they were looking for, and the decision was made to go ahead with the project. Fundraising became the next challenge, and with strong support from the community and the availability to obtain grants, the project is within a few thousand dollars of being fully funded. Our library is itself a remarkable achievement. The facility is beautiful and well thought out, and the many public services they offer benefits the entire community. As a community member, I've had the pleasure to attend many events in their meeting rooms where important ideas were discussed and information was shared. The solar array in the parking lot is attractive, and in my opinion, it blends right in with the architecture. One of the features I particularly like are the two charging ports for electric vehicles. So while you're visiting the library, your electric car is being charged by the sun. Mrs. Snyder is a wonderful person to engage with, and before the interview began, she gave me and my fellow co-producers a tour of the facility. During the interview, we sat outside overlooking the very impressive solar array in the parking lot. The day was warm, and the first signs of spring were in the air when we talked. And if ever there is something to be hopeful about, this fine achievement tops the list. While the concerns in the world continue, this story of a community coming together is a great example of the positive side of humanity. The Brown County Library has served the public for more than a 100 years, and with this new solar installation, their leadership continues to set a fine example of forward thinking. The energized date is on May 27th, and the event kicks off at 1 p.m., as someone who's been a strong advocate for solar energy for the majority of my adult life, seeing this project come to fruition is a ray of sunshine that warms my heart, and I believe it gives our community hope for the future. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. To the shopping center stores. Sunny, Main, or quiet as a ghostly Western scene. The only life in town.
2: Been listening to the WFHB local news. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Seestrom and Chuck Wills.
0: Kite Line is produced by Mia Beach. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Kate Young. For WFHB, I'm Noel Herhusky Schneider.
2: And I'm Don Guerra. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer powered listeners supported independent daily news program you can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org
0: the wfhb local news is also available as a podcast just search our call letters wfhb wherever you listen to your podcasts subscribe to never miss another local news program
2: stay tuned for with good reason coming up next on wfhb